Welcome to Being Self-Centered. I'm your host, Corey Hawks-Sitch. I want you to learn about who you are from deep within, to explore your own philosophies and design a life that you love. So give yourself permission today to discover with me how you can be self-centered. Somewhere along the way, we've learned we aren't good enough. It doesn't matter what we try and pull off. It's never good enough. It doesn't matter how we have changed who we are, how we've adopted new beliefs, how we've aligned to different um, polarizing stance in society. It doesn't matter how we present ourselves aesthetically. It doesn't matter our education. It doesn't matter our lack of education. It doesn't matter how much money we have, how much money we don't have. We are never enough. And here's why. There is an ongoing doctrine that floats underneath the surface of how we view ourselves and how we view each other that's based in the selflessness of a human being increases the value of that human being. The less you are, the more valuable you are. The less you have an opinion, the less that you exert yourself different from the group, the more valuable you are to the group. Anything that you say that is parroting the group makes you a valuable asset to the group. But once we start exerting ourselves from an internal wealth, from a self-centeredness, we become less valuable. And so this cycle creates a formula that equals you're never good enough. The less you are is acceptable, but that doesn't even make you good enough. That just makes you acceptable. You become a pawn. So no matter what we do, and when we become self-centered and we exert and, and express who we are, We are considered sinful. We are considered proud or arrogant. But the less we are, the more honorable we are, the more heroic we are, the more um, revered we are in the group. This is an ongoing doctrine that is infiltrated in all of the ways that we are being taught how to interact with each other. And so very naturally, from a, from a young age, we are taught this is how to stay in the group. And of course, this is based on survival. We're pack animals. We need to stay with the group in order to survive. But as evolved human beings, what's happening is that it is absolutely deteriorating our sense of self and our right to be here. And the responsibility that we have in order to be here in a way that is unique to any other person on earth, before or after. So what we're taught is the dependency, the selflessness, 
being in need, being in service, having attachments to, to other people or to the group equals love. This equals acceptance. This equals belonging and connection. So we can see very clearly how this creates this overwhelming feeling of we're never good enough because it's very accurate. You're not. You're not good enough. When we adhere to this formula, we are not good enough. We never will be. That's the formula. That's the point. The flip side of this is that when we are self-centered, when we express new ideas, new opinions, maybe that are controversial to the group, this equals betrayal. This equals threat. This equals putting the greater good at risk. And so very naturally, we are in this system of not being good enough is actually rewarded. Here's the problem with this, though, is that what happens is that the more deficient we are in who we are, the more we need. And so the more we need, the more acceptable we are to the group, but the less we get. And so there's this huge vacuum that happens that kicks in our greater survival instinct is to preserve ourselves. So yes, we have a survival instinct to stick with the pack, but we have an even stronger instinct to preserve our own life. And so when we are caught in this trap of being selfless in order to have value, and we are starved in need, so what happens is we start looking around for creative ways that we can fill our needs while being selfless to the group, while maintaining value to the group. So we start hunting. We start seeking. We start studying. Who do I need to be in order to make the group happy? I will be that thing. What do you need from me? How are you feeling right now? Are you happy? Did I do something that made you happy? Oh, good. Did I do something that made you annoyed? Oh, dear. Did I do something that made you mad? I'll fix it. Whatever I am, it is in prostrated service to you. And so we're scrambling and scrambling and scrambling so that we can receive just a morsel of what we need. We will shape shift who we are. We will be in chronic waiting. We are waiting for the one, that person that finally understands us, that gets us, that loves us, our soulmate. We are waiting for that family, that union of people that will band together against all odds and be there and support each other no matter what, because we're family. We're looking for the church, the gatherer of believers, those aligned in systems and traditions and standards and ethics in ways that represent all that is good and right. And we're looking for a tribe. 
We're looking for a group of people where we are all the same. We enjoy the same things. We understand the same things. We hate the same things. This is who we're looking for. Because underneath it all, when we are together, we become something. And so this is the only self I'm allowed to have. That which I've created to benefit the group. But this isn't the self that I am. But the formula protects itself from that ever happening. You can't ever be the thing. And so our needs deplenish and our longings increase. And so we start to get creative. We have violent devotion to causes. We are strict in our judgment of who people should be to us, how they should be behaving in accordance to what we need and what we want. And if they knew this, if they loved me, they would do this. If they understood me, they would know I needed this and this. They would be there for me. They would take care of me. Another thing we'll do is, and this is really sneaky, is we will attach ourselves to either people who are lesser than us so that we feel better about ourselves, or greater than us so that we make them feel better about themselves. Either way, we position ourselves where we are needed. If we attach to people that are lesser than us, they need us. If we attach to people who are greater than us, they need us. This still upholds the formula that the less I am, the more valuable I am. But we are constantly looking for that person or that group of people that will get us, that will be in alignment with us, that will validate our existence. The formula, however, keeps us sick. What happens as we are creatively striving in order to be good enough in a formula that equals we'll never be good enough, we are exhausted. We're depressed. We're depleted. We're sick. We're so sick. We feel abandoned. We feel betrayed. And we've learned that we're helpless. We're hopeless. There's nothing that we can do in order to justify being here. The flip side of this is that we also become very anxious. We are manic with hypervigilance of what do people need from us and we have to work so fucking hard in order to uphold that criteria that we get to stay in the group. If I'm not allowed to have a self, who is it that you want me to be? I'll try anything. And our panic skyrockets. We are regimented in upholding the law that we have been taught keeps us in the group that we are choosable by a person. We will do anything to uphold that rule so that we may 
one day be chosen. We are fighting for our fucking life. A life we're not allowed to have. But the formula says the less you are, the more valuable you are. And so we are caught in this cyclone, in this vortex of vacancy of self. And we are heavily medicated because of it. Pharmaceutically, sure. More dangerously, though, psychologically, emotionally, physically, spiritually, we will consume anything that gives us some kind of reprieve, some kind of ability to cope with the complete destruction and abandonment that we are doing to ourselves. It isn't them that is betraying us. It isn't them who've abandoned us. It isn't them who judge us. It isn't them who hold us to an unreachable standard. It's us. I want you to hear this very carefully. You are your person. You are who you're looking for. It's you. It's always been you. It always will be you. You can spend the rest of your life searching high and low throughout the lands for what it is you're looking for, but it's you. You have it. You are who you're looking for. That longing that you feel, that quiet hope that has faded into a constant whisper of maybe one day being seen, being heard, being understood, being accepted for who you are, maybe even, God forbid, being delighted in, maybe being loved, that deep ache that you feel isn't the lack of what the people aren't giving you. It's what you aren't giving you. Think about this for a second. And we've all done this. Those moments when you think, Ugh, if my friend knew that I was going through this, they would call me. They would know that I needed a little support. Even though I haven't told them what's going on, they should know. Or that family member knows that this is a problem for me. Why are they talking about that like that? They should be considerate of how this affects me. Or most commonly, our spouses or our partners, if they loved me, they would show up for me in ways that are important to me. They would get me. They would be there for me when I needed them. Our co-workers, how come they don't see all the work that I'm putting in? How come I'm not getting any accolades and somebody else is? How come I'm undervalued or I'm, I'm overspoken? All of these things are lists of how you are not showing up for yourself. You're not listening. You're not being there when you need you. You aren't understanding the complexities of who you are. You aren't providing what you need. You aren't celebrating the things you're really good at. 
You aren't supporting yourself in your weaknesses. You aren't showing up. It's you that's abandoning you. It's you that's betraying you. You are your person. But we aren't allowed to be our person. We are not allowed to have a self. And so like crazed animals, we are scratching at the edges, enraged with how we are owed the listening to. We are owed the understanding. We are owed the acceptance. All for this false teaching that we are not allowed to have ourself when in fact self is all that we have. We don't need to justify our existence. We don't need to validate our self-being. It is our self that's already here. We're here. We don't need anybody else to justify or validate or accept or give value to the self that's forfeited. Our self is ours. And it will always be that way. It is for us to fulfill. It is for us to enjoy. It is for us to participate. It is for us to just be fully and completely ourself. Think of it this way. If you were your deity, if you were the one that created you, and you saw that you were forfeiting your entire existence so that you could somehow be valuable to others, what greater tragedy? What a miss in the whole point of being here, in the whole fulfillment of your existence that you would long for you the whole time you're here because somebody out there said the less you are the more valuable you are and the more you are the less valuable you are and so we sink into that swamp of selflessness for no reason we have everything that we need we aren't alone we have ourselves when we are connected to our innermost being then we are able to have beautiful free open connection in full participation of who we are with the entire universe So try this for an exercise. Next time you get into that feeling of longing, next time you get into that place of if they, then I, (laughs) if he, then I, if she, then I, if we, then I, start looking at this list as clues of what you need to provide for yourself. Listen to the things that you are trying to say. Understand all the reasons why you have done what you've done in the past and why you're trying to do things in the future. 
Dive into the education of who you are. Soothe that part of you that's hurting. Heal that part of you that's wounded. Celebrate that part of you that is delightful. Ask yourself, am I forsaking me? And what do I need from myself right now that I'm trying to hold others accountable for? When you are self-centered, you are tapped into an endless wealth of all that you need. You are tapped into an abundance that is as great as an abyss. It's immeasurable. That doesn't mean we don't need each other. That doesn't mean that we don't participate in the world around us. That doesn't mean we isolate ourselves. We need connection. We need external connection. But external connection doesn't come from internal scarcity. That's attachment. When we know who we are and we are anchored deep within our center self, we are able to participate in relationships that enhance our life. We are able to lean into our existence and have beautiful impact on the whole entire universe because we're here. We give ourselves permission and the power to show up. You are your person. You are who you're looking for. And actually, no one else can be that person. No one else can understand you like you do. No one else can feel the way you do. No one else has the memories that you have. No one else has those associations. No one else has those experiences. No one else has those longings. Or the way that your mind puts things together in really unique ways. No one else gets your jokes the way you do. No one else sees the things that you see. You are the only one. You are the only one that can fill that spot. You are the only one who can be that person for you. Then the others can show up. And not in chronological order, but in priority. Your family can show up. It might not be the family you have. But it might be the family that is drawn to you. The church can show up. The gatherers that believe and uphold traditions the way you do. The tribe will show up. The partners will show up. The projects will show up. The communities will show up. Because you're showing up. The others can show up because you're showing up and you're giving them something to connect to. You don't need to be selfless in order to be valuable. You are valuable because you have found the wealth of your value deep in your center self. It has nothing to do with anyone else thinking that you're valuable. You own your value. It's yours. And now you have an abundance to contribute to those that are interested. And those that aren't, 
you can release freely. This is why how we treat ourselves is so important. The things we say to ourselves, the things that we think, the way we perceive who we are, all of the ways that we interpret the world around us, the way we shame ourselves, the way we punish ourselves, the way we believe in things, the way we hope in things, the way we create things from the wealth of who we are. No one else can be that person. And so we better treat ourselves pretty damn good. It is a privilege to be in a relationship with ourself. It is a privilege to be here and to spend that time harming ourselves, degrading ourselves, judging ourselves, putting ourselves down, humiliating ourselves, ridiculing ourselves, critiquing ourselves. We are not going to become valuable to others when we hate who we are. Why would anybody else want that position in our life when we can't even honor being there ourselves? Self-care, self-respect, self-honor, self-study, self-centeredness is how we glorify that position in our life. We glorify that person in our life so that others have an understanding of what it's like to be one of our very most important people. So when you are in that place of longing and you are feeling alone, remember you're not alone. You have you. You are your person. Thank you for joining me today. I want to encourage you to practice being self-centered your life is yours and yours alone. I also want to invite you to use the resources on my website and reach out anytime. May you forever seek that which belongs to you. Prayer Mia.